Hello and welcome to episode 772 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, January 28th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and today I'm joined by a special guest, a frequent guest of the pod, at least a couple times a year generally, Mr. Joe Pizapia of The Black Book. Joe, what's going on? I'm special? Finally? Yes. Someone thinks I'm special, Paul? Very <laughs> special. Remember when we wait, fixed wait. baseball last year? Oh, how do you mean special? Wait, I thought it was like real special. You mean like air quote special? Like that no, kind of special? All right. Well, well uh, but you know what? That's my appeal, I guess, right? That I'm a little yeah. special. I, I missed you, Paul Sporer. I haven't talked to you in ages, I feel like. It's been a little bit. It's been a little bit since we fixed baseball, I believe. We did but, fix uh, it, by the way. That was a very did. provocative episode, I think. Great episode. Really enjoyed it. We're here for our annual discussion of the Black Book. Um, if you're not familiar with that, you'll be more familiar after this episode. <laughs> and we will discuss that. Uh, yours truly also contributes to it. And uh, we'll get into that. But there's actually a little bit of news that we need to cover. Some more hot stove moves coming. One of the last big pieces to fall has occurred as Nicholas Castellanos signs with Cincinnati. I wrote that up yesterday, and, you know, that's a really interesting move there. Uh, it kind of muddies up things for the fantasy landscape, but it seems like a great move for Cincinnati because you can't really have too much talent, right? Uh, they, they again, they do from like a fantasy angle at this point with Winker, Senzel, Aquino, Akiyama, and Castellanos. But to their end, they're like, that's great. We are covered with redundancies everywhere. Now, this tells me one of two things, I, I believe. One, I guess three. One, <laughs> Senzel's labrum surgery is not healing as expected, and they need coverage for that, plus Winker's pervasive health issues. Um, two, they're collecting pieces for a big trade, perhaps for a shortstop, namely one Francisco Liri uh, Liriano. Francisco Lindor. He could probably play shortstop, though. I mean, God bless him. He's still playing. He's still trying to play every he's, year. So. He's still plugging. He's 410 or, years old, still playing. Or three... The aforementioned shortstop spot is filled by the aforementioned Nick Senzel. And I do have those kind of ranked in in likelihood as far as I'm concerned. I think health is the biggest issue. Trade potential is next. And then Senzel moving back to the infield and to shortstop where he's only played one professional game. I believe he played there in college, but one professional game is the third option. How do you see this move with Nick Castellanos going to Cincinnati and and really bulking up their uh, their their lineup and giving them some major depth. Yeah, well, I think they needed it. I, I'll be honest with you. I thought the Mustaka signing was terrific. I'm Agreed. so happy for him that he finally got someone to commit for uh, more than a year on him because, I mean, he's such a good baseball player. I mean, put the fantasy for aside for a second. The guy's a winner. He won when he was in Kansas City. And what happened when he went to Milwaukee those two years? <laughs> They're in the playoffs. It's not an accident. He's a very intense guy. He's mm -hmm. the up on the top of the dugout kind of guy in this top step. And that's, I think, something that gets lost in the shuffle. And he is a bit of a grinder. You know, he's a guy that kind of plays above his talent. And I love those kind of guys. Um, so I actually think they need another piece in this lineup. And I think Cassianos is the perfect guy. Guy who hits for average. Guy who's got some power. And, you know, considering how bad Joey Votto was. And I, I was trying to give Joey Votto the benefit of the doubt. I said, look, he's getting older. He had a down year. You know what? 2019 will get right. Everything will be fine with Joey Votto. Nope. Nope. Did not. Nothing was fine. It I've got not. I got tire tracks on my back from a couple Joey Votto shares that I'll never get back. But um, And I don't want them back. But I, I would think you're looking at Cassianos, number one. It's a really good move for the Reds. I think it's something they desperately needed because I am not an Aquino believer, personally. Uh, I think they needed a third bat in this lineup because Joey Votto is not a, another guy that I can believe in either. 
And now they have this. They have Suarez, Castellanos, Moustakas. That is a formidable middle of the order. And I kind of do agree with you. It probably does say something about Senzel, whether it is the trade possibility. Because I imagine if you're looking at the Reds, you're trying to make a deal for Lindor. Senzel is the guy you want. Senzel was a, a player that I thought, Paul, when he was drafted, that he would be the quickest riser to the major leagues in that grouping. Mm-hmm. And it's been just a lot of injuries, and that always hinders development. Same thing happened with Buxton, same kind of thing. So uh, I'm not ready to punt on Senzel yet, but I feel like we're kind of at a fork in the road where he either needs a change of scenery, he needs a better health, or he needs like a clear path to playing opportunity. And I'm not a winker guy. The splits are not good for me. And Aquino, I just don't buy because the minor league track record just, you know, and plus after he got a little around the league last year, it changed. So I don't know about you, Paul, but my biggest thing is if the Reds are going to be good this year, I think Trevor Bauer is the biggest key. I mean, his 14 starts, I think, at the end of last year, he had almost a six ERA. If -hmm. Trevor Bauer finds Trevor Bauer, the good Trevor Bauer again, this is a team that could really compete for a wild card. And if they don't find him, I think. I think things could go south for them a little bit. So I think Bauer is actually the, the biggest issue or the biggest, uh, I guess, where the, the season might turn for the Cincinnati Reds, either positively or negatively. Sure. I can see that. I can definitely see Bauer as a linchpin. I will say this. I actually favor them to win the Central. Um, wow. I was leaning toward that pre-Castellanos. Now I feel even better about it. Uh, I think the rest of that division has mo- mostly stayed still. Uh, or gotten worse. We see, you know, what what have the Cubs, St. Louis, uh, or Brewers really done to get better? I think the Brewers have done a few things to kind of cover some of their big losses. But, you know, do they have something in, in mind to teach Narvaez how to frame? Otherwise, that's a big loss. And they're pitching. You know, I think, I think Grandal was a big key to maximizing what those guys could do because they're not Agreed. overwhelmingly talented in the rotation. And that remains so this year as well. You know, where'd they get Moose from, from that team? Now, Keston here is going to be there for a full year. I like the Avisal Garcia move. I like the Luis Urias move. Like, I like some of the moves they've made. But I think at best, Milwaukee stayed still. At worst, they got they got a little worse than they were last year in a uh, in 89-win season. Cubs haven't done anything. Cardinals haven't really done anything except lose uh, Marcelo Zuna. We'll see if they do anything else. So, I think... With the moves that that since he's made, they were already a, a solid team last year, especially once they got going in the second half. Even with Bauer not doing well, their pitching was still an asset, bringing in Wade Miley to get back with Derek Johnson, where he broke out that cutter. This depth of lineup, the bullpen is sneaky solid. Mm-hmm. I like this ball club. So I'm putting them I like them as too. the yeah. central uh, central winners right now. And if they do something with Lindor, I mean, well, watch that, out. let me tell you, if they do something with Lindor, I think all of us will be. Everyone's you know, on jumping. That, that, Everyone will be on that bandwagon, and, and yeah. rightfully so, because that's the kind of piece that does put you over the top and gives them a different dynamic in that lineup too, because of what an all-purpose player he is, and also immediately makes the pitching better too. You know, it's your stuff. Yes. You know, don't want to don't want to crush. You know, Freddie Galvis. Freddie. No, Freddy's and the, that is the one know. thing that he does. Right, right? the defense right. will be there. Right. But yeah, you talk about what Lindor can do with transcendent defense and offense. Oh my goodness, it's How fun to dream on. Yeah, but, you know, you started talking about the Cubs, man, and, you know, Lester's second half was not good last year either. Vossi's down. You see the— Crying you know, poor, dude. They're crying yeah. poor. Yeah, I mean, the crying poor, but also you, you look at the rotation. They lost Hamels. Lester mm-hmm. looks like he might be done. You're very hittable last. I mean, at the end of last year, man, I mean, just getting hit all over the ballpark. All over. And, I, I mean, as great as you, Darvish, was, and, and you know, you and I you and I are in that same camp about Darvish. We keep walking around saying, seven? 
seven walks in the whole that second half. So like that's all I've been saying walk. the last six months. Seven, but Nuts. we can't we can't bank on that if you're the Cubs throwing no. Darvish. So I, this is a really puzzling team because you look and most of the core is still there. But I don't. If the Reds went past them, I they would need Sonny Gray to be the same guy he was last year. They would need Castillo to be the same guy. And I and I will take this before they get Lindor. If they get Lindor, if that happens, I think it's all about Trevor Bauer. Because could you imagine if you get a good Trevor Bauer? Man, that's a really good one, two, three. And all that, of a sudden, the Reds are real. Yeah, that top three becomes so nasty if Bauer is plus, uh, along with Gray and Castillo and. And yeah, the Cubs, like I said, they've just stayed in place. Um, you know, they can't trade Bryant right now because the grievance is still being held up, which is a joke, by the way, that it's taken this long. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, the offense is still solid. And, you know, Darvish, Quintana, Hendricks is not a terrible one, two, three, but I don't love the Lester Chatwood for five. Um, I cannot give any positive marks on their bullpen. I can, I'll, I'll grant that I think Kimbrell will be better with a regular season. Um, but, he can't, you know, one guy can't carry a bullpen. We know that. So, yeah, I like what Cincinnati's doing. We'll see if they do anything else. Even if they don't, they've had a hell of an offseason and they're positioned very nicely. Let's move to another team that I see on the rise. Now, they have a much bigger hill to climb in their division, and that's the Arizona Diamondbacks with the with the Titan that is the Dodgers still right there. But they were an 85-win team on the sly last year. I think some folks don't necessarily realize that if you weren't really paying close attention to Arizona. They basically traded Granky for Bumgarner and everything they got from Houston, if you really look at those two moves in concert. And now, the big move yesterday, they traded for Starling Marte. So now they've really cornered the market on Marte's, and part of this was to help <laughs> their other Marte. Wait, hold on a second. But yeah. I got to say, do you do you like that or dislike that when you have players on the same team and then you have to do the S Marte or the K I, Marte? I kind of like that. I, I like it. I like it. Uh, when it was... Uh, JD and Victor Martinez, I, I liked it. And I think there was another J Martinez somewhere that prompted JD to just put full JD Martinez. His whole <laughs> That's name the best one, where you was have on like, the back. Where you have to put the J over Ramirez. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. So yeah, I love that they, and they, and they're probably going to bat behind each other, one, two in some form. I love that. I'm, I'm all here for it. Um, so yeah, they make a move here. Marte for two prospects. Uh, that are that are far out, but but definitely of note. I, I think both sides are pretty happy with how things went. I think probably some Pittsburgh fans might have wanted uh, some of the bigger prospects in the Arizona system, which is a deep system, by the way. But they got Leo Perguera and uh, Brennan Malone, who was the number one pick last year. So solid return there for two years of Marte. Marte has a team option next year for twelve and a half million. He'd basically have to lose a leg to not have that picked up. Like twelve and a half million. In, in baseball terms for what Marte can do, he could basically be a bench player and, and still be worth hanging around. So that it's almost a guaranteed two years at that point. They're going to pick up that option. He's actually started to develop some power the last couple of years, and that's really interesting. And now he's going to headline that lineup or bat two. I really think that it is going to be the two Martes. Right now, Roster Resource has Starling, then Cattell, Eduardo Escobar, David Peralta, Christian Walker, Cole Calhoun, Nick Ahmed, Carson Kelly. Now, I'm not listing a bunch of superstars there, but I also didn't really list many holes, many like egregious problem spots there. Nick Ahmed had a little something last year, get going with his bat relative to what he's done, still below average. But if he can be another 90 to 95 WRC plus with positive defense, that's about a two and a half, three win player. Carson Kelly started to come on. 
Cole Calhoun quietly hit like 35 homers last year, some 33, and was a plus bat overall. Plays usually good defense. Walker adequately replaced um, Goldie last year. David Peralta, all about health. Eduardo Escobar and Cattell Marte will peel back from their insane seasons last year, but I believe both will still be good. And then you add Starling Marte as the cherry on top. What do you think of Marte, Starling in Arizona, and then this lineup as a whole? I don't think it's going to change him too much in terms of like statistical profile because he had a pretty good, I mean, he scored 97 runs for the freaking pirates last year. Yeah. So, I mean, how much more can we expect? And he's still good for, you know, he's still good for stolen bases. It was nice to see him cut back a little bit on the getting caught stolen bases from the previous year. I think he was at 14 and this past year he was at six. Yeah, so that was baseball. a big improvement. Yeah. In so eight. that was, yeah. So that was a nice to see him kind of get a little bit better there. Uh, I think Escobar is the more likely of the two between Cattell and Escobar to regress a little bit. You know, even the power was there in the second half for Escobar. He had a sub 290 OBP. He had a 230 batting average. Those kind of things are a little scary to me when you're looking at players. He's also a, a very streaky player. So if you're going to have Escobar shares, I think you got to realize, okay, season-long roto, I'm just going to set him, forget him, let's leave him alone. Maybe if he's really struggling, take him out of my lineup for a couple weeks and then pop him back in. If you're head-to-head, whether it be points, categories, I think you got to like just be a little bit careful with Escobar. I love this deal for the Diamondbacks, man. I think it's a terrific opportunity for them to really be aggressive. Um, I'm a little concerned. Bumgarner last year, we look at those home road splits. He was so good in San Fran and so sure. not good everywhere else. I'm concerned. Now we'll see. Maybe, you know, a little change of venue, a little, you know, new Arizona Diamondback smell. I don't know. Maybe things well, will work Chase, out for him. But that's a, that's a concern there at the top of this rotation. Chase is not Oracle, but it is p- pro pitcher. You're right. And You're right. You're right. He will still get some starts at Oracle, too. Correct. So I, I think overall he'll still be pretty solid. Close. Um, he's, a, he's a low end three, I think, is, is where I'd want him. I think that's you know, middle three, somewhere around there. If we, if we pull from fantasy a little bit and look to the real life, they don't put a bad starter out there, though. Bumgarner, Ray, Gallon, Weaver, Leak. As far as, like, MLB goes and, and feeling confident that you could get five to six on every given night, they've got that. Agreed, and, yes, and I like Gallon a lot, and I think if oh, Weaver's yeah. healthy, Weaver, Weaver showed you a lot last year. And mm-hmm. it's funny, because if you're a Diamondback fan, you think about last year at this time, just miserable, right? Oh, yeah. You know, trading Goldschmidt, you knew Granky was a foregone conclusion. And man, I mean, this team just continued to, like you said, this sneaky 85 wins. They had Peralta miss some time. And I'll tell you what, looking on the other end of this deal, too, if you're the Pirates right now, you got to move Josh Bell. Like, I mean, that you have to go and do this now. And maybe this, you know, opens up some playing time at some point for maybe you, you do get, uh, I don't know, like a Martin or somebody else, kind of like Pop or somebody like that you might be able to get some more at-bats or something like that because – that's going to be crucial here. This is a team that has what? What's the payroll? Forty-seven million or something like 47 that, or forty-seven million, right? And that's um, Trout's making thirty-seven, right? So, yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy. But Jason Martin should be the everyday left fielder now. So that's a name in deeper leagues. You should pay attention, right? And only. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he doesn't have huge upside, but he could be a nice player. I don't. I think that's you know that I think he's the definition of he could be a nice, you know, well, and and playing like a turkey time. sandwich. It's good. Playing you like time's king. Yeah, playing time's right. king and and. and deeper leagues like that the weirdest thing about the fact that they've stripped this team down in pittsburgh is that they still have a good bit of talent you think of these stripped down teams of like uh when the cubs and astros did it and they were putrid this team you know sub 50 mil payroll 
still has Bell, Brian Reynolds, Polanco, Kevin Newman, Adam Frazier, uh, you know, Martin and Moran in deeper leagues have viability. Musgrove, Keller, and Archer, Keona Kela, Cal Crick. Now, they need to start moving some of these pieces out, I think, right. if they're going to continue to do this. But it is interesting that they aren't as god-awful as you might expect when you when you hear what they've done as far as payroll right now. No, and what they haven't gotten back that they should have in other deals. Oh, the, see, that's the thing. Like, if you go back to the Garrett Cole trade, if you go back to the Austin Meadows trade, you know, you, you think about the pieces that they have dealt in the last three, four years, and the returns have not been good. And that is the big issue. And so now you, it's more crucial that you hit on the Marte trade. If Chris yep. Archer gets off to a good start and he shows he's healthy, Chris Archer could help a lot of teams that could use a starting pitcher. And I don't think he was healthy at all last year. I think he tried to soldier through it, and eventually he just couldn't soldier anymore. And Josh Bell is a piece that uh, there's not a lot of teams out there. The only two that come to mind right away is Toronto, because right now it's Travis Shaw. And I'll tell you what, Josh Bell would look real good in the middle of that order, take a little he, pressure off the kids. And the other really one would, would be Washington. Washington's the only other spot, but they just brought Zimmerman back. So I guess mm -hmm. that's unlikely, at least for now. But right, wouldn't wouldn't Bell look really nice in Toronto? And Toronto's kind of like, if you're gonna sign Ryu, man, you might as well just, you know, like go, that, let's go. That'd you know? be really interesting. I'm actually buying in on a on a Shaw return, but even that that move wouldn't necessarily move Shaw out because he True. can kind of play everywhere. So there there would still be opportunities for him, even if it was just to DH or to put Bell at DH. Depending and on Toronto is a team that's already got all these high-level prospects clogging up. Like, you know, you got Bichette, you got Bichette, you got Vlad, right? You got all these guys there. So whoever that next-tier position player prospects are, they're give not going to sniff the Right, give yeah. up a couple for Bell. Pirates win, you win, everybody wins. And I'm not the biggest Josh Bell fan in the world. I mean, he had a one great month last year of May. But, I mean, I, I think you can make the case that it takes a little pressure off the youth in that lineup. And I think that's that's a good thing for Bell, and it's a good thing for all those kids, too. That'd, that'd be really interesting to see something like that. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Your point is uh, accurate, though, that there is a little bit of a limited market for first baseman right now. So that might be the difficulty in moving Bell. We'll see what else they do in Pittsburgh. I think this was a solid move uh, for Marte here. You got two pieces from a deep system. You didn't get their highest high end, but all the reports that I read and I did not know anything about either player will not proclaim to. But reading stuff at Fangraphs and other stuff on Twitter from folks I trust says that Pittsburgh got a solid deal here. Two very young guys that we won't start to see dividends on for a few years, but uh, you know that that's what they need right now. They should be getting guys who are 20 and younger in these deals because their next wave is not for a while. All right, let's talk Black Book. Now, for those that don't know, the Fantasy Black Book is a great fantasy tool that uh, I've been writing with you guys for a few years now, writing up the pitchers. And why don't you just give us an overview of exactly what the Black Book is and what it sets out to do every year. Was this your third or fourth year now? I, I I'm losing track. Fourth. Is it fourth? My God. We're so. getting old, Spore. Yeah, we are. Yeah, oh, we are. God. Well, at least I'm already bald, so it doesn't matter. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, man, we're, um, we're rocking and rolling. Every year I try to make this book more useful. And I think that's the one thing. I, I want something that everybody can go to it and it fulfills everything you need for fantasy from draft prep all the way to making trades and being the commissioner of your league, like start to finish everything. I don't care if it's a dynasty league. We got 110 prospect profiles written by Eric Cross, not like the baseball America ones. They're talking about real baseball. We're talking about fantasy impact guys, you know, so it's a mm -hmm. different spin that you're going to get on some of the MLB pipeline stuff. So it's very fantasy centric. We got our boy Welsh, who uh, is Mr. Black Book with me as well. 
uh, on the podcast. He did the uh, the 10 prospects outside the 100. He also did the AFL notes because Welsh is there watching these games, interviewing these players. That's something I don't think anybody else is really offering. Uh, this year we tried to uh, spread out the – I did this for football this past year, and it was very successful. And I did the same thing for baseball, which was we had standalone chapters in draft strategy. Here's what head-to-head point strategy should look like in 2020. Here's what head-to-head categories. Here's what season-long roto. Uh, Matt Modica did the NFBC strategy chapter. So we're talking like we're going into leagues specifically. So And everybody plays in different formats. We all do. So to have something that really dives into – what you want the first four rounds to look like. What should your core building look like? What are the pluses and minuses of the player pool this year? And having that and then being able to jump, you know, in a week from now to your season-long Roto League from your points league and say, okay, I got this stuff. Okay, this is how I should approach that. I think that is a, a huge, uh, huge advantage to what the Black Book offers. And obviously we have great people. We got Nate Dockin. We got uh, Casey Bubba. We got Welsh. We got Chris Meany doing the DFS. We got Alex Chamberlain. Doc and Cross, you, Paul Spore, right. sexy Paul Spore with his sexy glasses on and his and his <laughs> yes. controller, his, his, his Xbox controller. Why is it stage? Xbox or PS? You're a PS guy. That's right. My bad. My bad. I don't want to offend you. I might never get invited Al- back. Although but- I, will, I will say next year, uh, 2021, when, when the new generations come out, people on Xbox can finally play MLB The Show because for years it's been That's right. so, Sony PS3. exclusive. So now you'll be able to... Uh, to join the fun there if you're an Xbox person. But uh, yeah, it's I mean, like we've got a South great Park team. one, right? It's like the South Park, uh, the Black Friday trilogy. With the, exactly. the, the console exactly. wars will be on again. Yeah. Yep. It's yep. Like, like my favorite uh, one. <laughs> but I, I, I can't I can't wait for that. That's going to be great. But yeah, the, the team every year that, that you assemble has been fantastic. And I'm really happy to be part of it. It, it is awesome. And uh, this was actually the first year I had the hard copy. I've been doing the, the digital. There's just something about having something in your hand, though. Right? It really is that you can mark up, put some notes on. sexy book, isn't it? Circle (laughs) some things. Yeah, exactly. And so I do love that aspect of it. Um, As far as you you covered some of the features that were new this year, but the the bread and butter, the core, the foundation is, of course, RPV. Explain what RPV is and, and why it's useful for folks. Uh, I like how you said it there. You really dragged it out. It was very dramatic. I was I was on the edge of my seat. It was very good. Everyone listening, I'm sure, it was really that was that was they chilling. were riveted. They were definitely <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, RPV is relative position value, and you know we're in a space here in fantasy sports. We have so many deep metrics, especially in baseball. Now, I mean, every year it seems like there's something else that pops up that everybody wants to latch onto, and there's so many rankings and so many this and that. Well, rankings are great. That's terrific, but Tiers are great. That's terrific. It's not enough. You have to know where the drop-off is. You have to know how much better a player is at his position in a certain format than the next guy and the next guy. It's not enough to say, okay, this guy is the number three second baseman. This guy is the number four. What's the drop-off between them? Is it significant enough that I should care? And that's what relative position value does. It quantifies that. And most importantly, too, you know, it tells you the difference between, you know, when you're in like a, you know, just a, a shallow league versus a a uh, 15 team league with corner infielders and middle infielders and five active outfielders and how drastically the RPV changes and how important it is to always look for positive players and about building roster strength. And the biggest mistake people make in fantasy, whether it be hockey, baseball, football, doesn't matter. The biggest mistake they make is trying to fill roster spots instead of trying to build roster advantage. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I, I am very big on. It's something the black book's very big on. And I think that's what we do. We show people that 
it's not just the player value that matters. It's the player's value in that specific format that matters. And, and even in our profiles, which are very different than like the rack magazines you'll get, um, very different because, you know, they're kind of just kind of vanilla, right? Well, we go in there like, okay, this guy's really good. It, you know, this guy's not the greatest at fantasy asset, but if you want to use him in DFS against lefties, he's actually a really good guy. You should keep in mind, you know, mm-hmm. this guy's a better, we're talking about Escobar. This guy might be better season long asset because the numbers will probably be close to last year, but riding the wave might be upsetting to you if you're the kind of owner that doesn't like to ride the wave and manage players. So I think when you add all that stuff in there, I think, you know, with all the draft strategies and the prospects and everything else, it's very unique to what's out there by comparison because everything else I think is is very good and well-informed, but it doesn't go to that next step, which is how do we give everybody a tool that it can understand, it's simple, and it's adaptable to every league, style, format, and boom, there you go, you have it, and you can take it with you from draft to draft, and we do the cheat sheets now we started doing because people said, hey, I love the RPV, but can I get it all in like a couple of sheets so I can take it with me to drafts or have it on my computer? So we started doing that. And I update that twice a year. Uh, so in February and in March, you get a free update when you purchase the cheat sheets the one time, which is cool. We started doing that. So we're always trying to get better, man, because I feel like that's the thing. Like if you can keep giving people a better product every year, they get more excited and I get more excited to make it and people get more excited to buy it. And I think we're I'm really proud of this one, man. I I know this is our best baseball product we've ever done. And, uh, you know, it's it's a tribute to the, the guys who are so passionate that work with us here. And I'm very proud of them as well. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I really dig it. And, uh, and you almost you did. didn't get yours, the stupid Amazon guy. What a story this is. You know, you tell this story on the pod yet? This is I, I, I have not, but uh, <laughs> it's weird. The 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 two the two things I contributed to this year, <laughs> HQ Forecaster and the Black Book, they didn't want to send them to me. Not not not, not you not you and Brent Hershey, but the mail. The mail. Well, here's the funny part: is like I got everybody's addresses to send your books, right? And I get the address, send it out, and I get a text from some guy. And I think it's like a scam thing, right? It's like, yeah, I am your Amazon delivery guy. Bob, I'm like, yeah, sure you are, jerk. Like, oh, whatever. Yeah, sure. like, you know, nobody buy. does it. Right. He's like, no, I really am. I'm trying to deliver to Paul Sporer, blah, blah, blah. And I say, but this is the address. I have the address. He's like, no, there's a mailbox. I was like, no, there isn't. Or apartment number. So I'm like, no, I think this guy knows his address. He sent me his address. Nope, I don't. And then like a second text chain happens because now the first text chain has has timed out. So now I'm like trying to go to Amazon. I'm trying to text Paul and trying to figure out. I just want to get him his damn book. And eventually we got it. It turns out Paul doesn't know his address after all, which is wow. funny because Scott Bogman last year for football, not only did he not give me a, like a, an apartment number, he gave me the whole address he used to live at like a year oh, before. No. How hilarious is that? Just by. Oh, just, no. <laughs> it's like, dude, That's I'm sorry. so Bogman. He's like, in his head, and the guy actually knew Bogman. So he brought it. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> He's like, no, I know where this guy is. Don't worry. Yeah, he's like, don't worry, yeah, I got him covered. Don't worry. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> but I got it, and uh, it's great. I really enjoy it. And again, you know, obviously we're we're hyping it up because it's it's uh, you know we you make it and I contributed to it. But it really is a, a great tool, and seeing the the reviews and and people talk about it online is really great. And what I do really appreciate is that you haven't rested on the laurels of it, because I think there is a core group that would continue to buy it every year regardless of what you did and and like whether you made improvements or not and you have not rested on that you've decided to make it better and i love just the stuff that continues to go into it that's new i think there's excellent stuff at the back of the book about running a league and uh making trades and stuff talks about that right like nobody talks about trade etiquette ever exactly how you make friends and trade etiquette and how they you could use those friends when you need them the most and 
and not about trying to rip somebody off. Well, you know, we say if you have to write an essay about why you're making this trade, you yep. should make this trade with me. You've you're you failed. I used <laughs> to be essay failed. douche. I will admit it. Oh, yeah, Back everybody. Day, all essay I was essay douche <laughs> to explain why the guys I'm getting aren't that What's good. A, isn't that a street gang in Los Angeles? The essay douches? Yes, they douches. Essay douches. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, dude, like. It's great. And so I, I really do love it. And I appreciate being a part of it. Now, uh, let's get in a little bit deeper on it. I think you've already kind of addressed this, but I'm going to ask just for anyone that hasn't necessarily picked up the vibe on it. Is it usable across all formats and league sizes? I know you favor head to head yeah. points, but That's my personal thing. Yes. But yeah. I still recognize it. You know, season long Roto is is what it is. And, and you know, what makes it unique is it's also not projection-based solely, which so much – I mean, you know this. So much is, is projection-based in baseball. And everybody's got their models and their little computer things, and that's great. I use projections – When people marry the, the projection. Well, they marry the – and also they – the problem is projections typically either spit out to you what just happened mm-hmm. or the best-case scenario of what you want to happen. And yeah. you end up buying into the projections of the player like Vlad Guerrero Jr. last year, right? He's a perfect example of – you know, you gotta you gotta dig a little deeper. You gotta make sure we know where we are at and where the ADP should really be for a player like mm-hmm. this at this stage in his career. And what RPV does is it takes previous season stats, it takes projections, and then when applicable, the three year averages puts them all together. So we have a really a real basis that's more in what's already happened or what's factual and tangible rather than the best case scenario. But it took it takes projections and and what we think when a player does move ballparks and and whatnot could become helpful or when a player changes leagues, what could become helpful or boost for a better lineup. All that is important to an extent, but also to an extent a player is who a player is on his own because it's baseball. And that's that's the most important thing. So it gives you a much more rooted, almost like a factual basis of value as opposed to fictitious value that sounds really good <laughs> and and you and i both know too in in every fantasy sport there's like the sheep mentality of when a couple experts like a player everybody goes and they follow and stuff like that and, and it kind of it takes some of the guessing out of it and it takes some of that a little bit of the the sheep mentality because it says no no, no look realistically this is where his value he's a positive six right against other third basemen he's not he's not a He's not like the top tier. He's he's good, but he's, he's not as good, good as he, right. And yeah, it also shows you the him. negative where in auction drafts, right? Which I'm a giant auction whore. Everybody knows oh, that about me too. They're great. They're the best. Everything should be auctioned because that's America. Every, your your money, my money, everybody's thing in the in the pile there, and we all get to decide who the players we want to make a team. That's what it should be. That's America. But you know what? Like. That when you're when you're bidding or overpaying even worse on players that have negative RPV, right? Because there's they're compared to the fantasy league average, right? So the second baseman, all the positive guys, then there's the fantasy league average second baseman who are like zero percent or plus one or minus one. And then it goes like into the deep negatives. You can go down like in a 24, you know, 24 players deep uh, at first base, you know, you're gonna go down to like the minus 24 range and knowing well, I should never be spending or overspending an auction on players that don't move that RPV needle because I'll find other guys to fill those gaps. Where can I get an advantage? Where can I find somebody that can actually raise my roster's productivity? And that does matter in season-long Roto. That does matter across the board in all the formats, too. And we also update, too, which is something that a lot of guides, so to speak, can't do because we're direct-to-consumer. So this Marte trade that happened, the Castellano signing yesterday— by the end of the week, those will be in the black book for everybody who purchases them by Friday, probably. Boom. So, I mean, that's the other thing we're able to do and the, the cheat Wait, sheet updates, too, which is so, cool. So, so you know, every I couple weeks, pictures? I don't. Yeah. 
I don't know if you oh. want you. You got guys you want to talk about now. You got to get some other. I might have to. You you oh. you you had emailed me about something, and uh, you know it was right before we're about to publish. I didn't get to it. It was not the end of the world stuff. Josh Lindblom was one, and then um, I think we still have Strasburg as a free agent in here. No, I don't know. He's I, on I, Washington. I, I took care of that, and I think yeah. I might I might have even done Lindblom too. I got to check, but because um, you know that's my job. My job is you know. Is manager of the team, you know. The I last, do all the writing. Yeah, the last the safety. Film. You're you're the, you're the free safety there. I'm the, I am, man. I'm I'm last Ronnie Lott. Yeah, that's right. Very much I lost my off. pinky. You have all your fingers. No, no, you got your no, fingers. No, Black Book 2012. Yeah, oh, I, lost a finger, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, that was, that was tough. 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 I had I had to keep writing. It was cold. You pushed, you pushed I said, through. just take it. Just take, take it. it. I'm finishing yeah. this book today. But no, it's great, and it's available on Amazon. By the way, you know that this is the tenth year. Congratulations, dude. That's that. awesome. Isn't that crazy? It lasts longer than my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's awesome. Uh, Ten years of it. Yeah. That's fantastic. And, uh, you know, and you do them for all the sports, too. That's the most impressive part to me. Yeah, we're starting to expand, that, too, which is cool. You, yeah. you, really, uh, you really got it going for every sport. So if you end up getting the baseball one this year and you are a multi-sport uh, fantasy athlete, then you can continue to get them for other ones. It's available on Amazon. I will link it. Um, you can get a Kindle and iTunes copy, is that correct? Yes, it's on iTunes and Kindle if you want to save a tree, if you want to kill trees like Paul likes and holding the book in your hand, which, dude, I'm with you. I'm I'm a book person. I like to hold the book. I like, and also we print it on specifically on the paper where you can write on the paper, you know, because magazine easily. paper is annoying. Yes. You know, you can't do that, but this is real paper, so you can highlight stuff. You can make notes about players or you know, it's 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 cool. It's It's very, like I said, it's very different than what's out there. My goal is I want to give people something applicable. Information's great, but that's not enough. Everybody gets mm -hmm. force-fed all the same information now. Everybody's playing at a higher level because everything is spoon-fed to you. It's right here. It's on your host site. It's it's in these podcasts with great people like you, or at least medium people like you. And all these like, by the way, speaking of Accurate. medium people, yes. I miss Justin Mason. Where the hell is my good friend Justin? He's at school. He's at school. Is he learning things? That's good. I, I mean, I doubt it. He's there, but he's not. He's I there. He's learning. Well, anything. at least I hope he's learning something. What's he going to school for? Is that not a common knowledge here? We can't speak about it. Or I don't know. I can't, hope he's going. Can't speak about it. Can't I think he's going to. Um, he's in uh, studying black bookology. He wants to take over every black book there is. So watch <laughs> well, out. Well, I invited him to pay, take part, but he said, no, I'm, I'm too uh, busy this year. I love you dearly. actually too busy. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, which is crazy that he actually said no to something because he usually just says yes. And his plate is so overfilled he that he's just like, I'll take two hours of sleep at night and that will be good enough. He is. Which he is. It's usually insane. his thing, man. It usually is. But I miss you, Justin Mason. I love you dearly, brother. And, so. and now we'll know if he listens to this, right? Because yeah, we're putting right. this in here. That's and right. if you don't listen to it, you're fired. That's all. It's that simple. Yeah, and Joe takes fine. your spot. No big deal. Anyway, Boom. There you go. we're moving forward here. <laughs> let's, let's apply some RPV right now. Talk a bit about it. And I'm not going to hold your feet completely to the fire here because ADPs will change. But based on what you've seen, whether you've glossed over the NFBC uh, ADP data, I know that you do work with fan tracks and they've got data cooking already. Do you have a pitcher and a batter that RV, R RPV has highlighted as a buy against their AD ADP? You're saying, whoa, th their RPV is up through the roof. Their ADP is not high enough. And, uh, and I'm getting in on them. Do you have a pitcher and a hitter that, that you've identified or that you're liking thus far in, into the early part of draft season? Well, you know, the, you know, right off the top of my head, what comes to mind is I think, 
you know, Reese Hoskins in the, you know, regular 15 team mixer, I mean, a 12 team mixer kind of format is a little undervalued right now. He's kind of trending at like right at fantasy league average in terms of RPV, mm-hmm. but he's also in the same grouping of guys at first base, like Yuri Guriel, who had a huge season out oh of nowhere God. with power, which That's... I don't think we should, you know, believe in. Encarnacion's getting older. Danny Santana in that year that kind of, you know, was a little tricky. I, I'll tell you what, man, I look at Hoskins and I look at a great opportunity if you go back and I do this a lot too. So like, you know, this about me too, like w- the Pete Alonzo write up from last year and the Bellinger write up from last year in this, we, we dragged over to this year's book and we're like, look, <laughs> this is what we said last year about this guy. Mm-hmm. And this is what we said to it. And Raphael Devers was another one. We were probably had Raphael Devers higher than any other publication. And that was because I was like, what are we talking about? The guy's 22. We're giving up on this guy already. We're souring already. I- I, I think I, we mentioned it on a pod about him. I think we did. I, you know what? I think like this time last year, we had this conversation like, dude, what's going on here? We Why made are we fun sound- of people who gave up on him after right. one year. Right. And we're like, we, you should be buying him everywhere. In fact, in Dynasty, this might be the last chance you get to buy on this kid. And it was indeed. You don't come up and do with that. And it was indeed. It's over now. The window shut. And it's funny because I feel like Hoskins is that same thing, right? Sexy new toy comes up. He's awesome. Flashes the power, all this stuff. Then big expectations for him, big expectations for the Phillies. And it would not shock me if that RPV this year after this year's stats, you know, go up there. But because even though last year was a down year for him, still had some power, obviously, but the down Mm -hmm. year overall, because he was good the previous year, RPV takes that into account and saying, hey, this is a player who's who's not, you know, as much of a down cycle player as you think. And it kind of keeps them more relevant. And I think that's something that's very exciting there um, when you're looking at him. Um, a pitcher that you that ADP isn't favoring as much as Black Book. That's a good one. Oh, it's Patrick Corbin. Uff, that's who oh, it is. I think it's he's Patrick being Corbin. On. He is right now. He is an SP one in the Black Book. I put him ten. Is, I yeah, think I got him is, higher than that's most. That's where we have him in RPB. He's ten. And you know what's funny about that? He's a negative four for an SP one, but that's that's incredible because you have to understand the very, very top tier pitching with Verlander, DeGrom, Cole, all those guys. It's it's so high above the next group that the fact that Corbin's just a minus four is really almost like a fallacy. So he's going to go in a lot of drafts as either one or one A or number two and even some rotations in fantasy, yep. depending on how deep your league is. But that's a guy that does not get enough credit. When you look up at the 220 strikeouts and you look up at it's a it's you know, you lost Rendon in that lineup. I don't think they're going to sleep on that. Keyboom could certainly come in and fill that void. There's another player I think people have written off far too soon. Oh, gosh. Even worse than uh, Devers. Because, he, oh, A, yeah. he didn't have the oh. expectations, and, B, he was markedly worse, albeit in a almost yeah, nothing and a sample. And a triple A, a nothing sample is, is the key there. And a triple A, he had almost a three four five slash. He was a and monster. There's not a lot of guys that have three four five slashes at any level of major leagues or minor leagues that don't end up being, you know, good players for a decent period of time. Mm-hmm. But I look at him being the third wheel in that rotation – and I'll start a rotation if I like if I go hitting early, like we got labor coming up next week. If I end up going hitting early, you could bet your ass I'm going to have Patrick Corbin probably in my rotation because I believe he's going to give me pretty much what some of the other ones will do, like the Clevengers or the Beavers yep. of the world two rounds later. And I think that's a guy that just does not get enough credit. I think I think it's a great call. Like I said, I had him 10. I think that's higher than than where, where most are looking at Corbin and you look at what he's done and. He didn't, he didn't really back down at all from the breakout 2018 last year, his first year with the Nats. Like, things were, 
you know, minorly, uh, slightly worse, uh, 31% to 29% of the strikeout rate, uh, 0.10 ERA, uh, 0.13 on the whip. Those are nothing changes as Mm -hmm. far as I'm concerned. That's not even really a regression. I think that's just, he was, he was great again. He's the 13th pitcher off the board in ADP. And uh, I, I think he's got a great case to be a top 10 guy. I, I do too, especially when you consider that it could be attrition at the top always. You know, mm-hmm. it could be a, a snow lot of injury. age up there. Strasburg's a lot of age at the top, so Corbin could be one of those guys that fills that void. And I'll tell you what, I could we do the RPV cheat sheet update March fifteenth and February fifteenth, and I could ter- already tell you February fifteenth, Eduardo Rodriguez and Frankie Montas are both going to get bumped up in in, oh, in RPV that. because. Uh, I, I'm looking at you and I kind of we see eye to eye on a lot. I used to do all the player profiles when the black book started. If you could imagine like the madness of me. I can, though, because I used to do the SP guide and I right, totally so you, understand you know what it's like. But that the but like 400 and the SP guide was amazing. By the way, it's so Thank good. It, and I remember the first year he said it to me. I was like, dude, this is like, so good. Like it just puts everything to shape. And it, I mean, I would do 450 player profiles by myself and and. <laughs> You know, and that's just I can't do that. I mean, luckily, I can't because just too busy with other mm-hmm. things that are available to me now in, in our, our industry, which is awesome and other opportunities. But at the same time, even when the book is out, it's like, OK, now let's really start digging in even more. Let's keep digging and digging. And Montas, I look at last year and a lot of people soured because of the suspension. You know, he came back at the end there and looked care. like Montas. I don't care yeah. either. Like, I, I don't care. And it's funny because you see the ADP right around Zach Wheeler and I like. Guys, Zach Wheeler wishes he had a stretch run of 14 or 15 starts, whatever it was, before he missed time that Frankie Montas had last year. Like that, He's never had a run that good that long, ever, period. So that's another guy. And Eduardo Rodriguez with that same K per nine two years in a row, throwing 200 innings last year. Man, I feel like you and I are very good at this, too, where we also kind of feel like we're, we're good at putting our finger on the next guy. Remember when it was Cole a couple years ago and we said mm-hmm. Cole was the guy – just like uh, seems just obvious like now, but everyone was not there. Oh, no, no, no. You. Oh, my God. I remember you and I sitting that year and going, I was like, look, we got to really we got to do this. You and me, we got to make Cole a thing. And it was so funny because your write up was exactly something I had written for another site almost where I said, hey, you know, do you guys remember when Max Scherzer was trash and nobody wanted him? And then he went behind Justin Verlander in the rotation and he became gold. And, and now know. you're putting Garrett Cole behind Justin Verlander in rotation and he's going to become gold. And he's going to get the confidence because sometimes when you don't have to be the guy, you're able to develop into the guy. And I think yeah. that matters. And and Cole was it. Castillo was a pitcher we were very high on uh, last year. We we're very everybody always says, who's the next guy that you and Paul in the Black Book think is going to be that guy? I think Montas and Rodriguez are in that conversation. Is there another one I'm forgetting right now? I mean, Montas is definitely the one that I've been going for. I, I'm a pretty big Brandon Woodruff guy. I like a lot of what yeah, he's done. The, yeah, he's in that group too. Uh, <laughs> I know there's a little bit of of wanting from his secondary stuff, particularly that slider. But I love a guy with an elite fastball. The incomplete when the injury happened really just – It's so annoying that they have It's so him. annoying, but at the Real same busy. time, I feel like if you buy – this is another one of those windows. Like if you got the cojones to buy, you could get a great bargain on Woodruff. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it could crap out. Yes, it's possible. But man, when you look start to start, man, some of those, it's good. You know, I like game log and, and oh, you know I'm a we, game logger for sure. Game log is important. Consistency is important. And the way we do the write-ups too, where we're talking, you know, almost every write-up has lefty righty splits. <clears throat> we're talking for hitters and pitchers, home and road. Mm-hmm. We're very big on splits in the black book too, because I think 
you know, that's what tells the story of a player more than anything. It's like, well, how good was he in the first half and the second half? Was he the same guy? Was he the same guy home and road? You know, that's why I love Jose Abreu. If I could have a team of Jose Abreu, I would just be happy because that guy is just good everywhere all the time. You have one down. Yeah, I I love players like that, man. It's just and they're hard to find. Maglio Ordonez was like that. Remember Maglio? Oh, God, Maglio was so great. Set your watch to that guy. Love him. He was also, by the way, in the uh, the essay group. I believe. (laughs) (laughs) The essay douches? The essay douches. He might have been one of the leaders at one point. Maglio was so good, though. He he really was fantastic, and uh, I loved I I love guys like that. Glue guys that are kind of boring, that uh, they just plug in your lineup, and nobody's oohing and on when you take the pick, and you're just like, that's fine. I'll take it. I'll move on. And uh, and there's upside still to those guys too. I think what drives me nuts about the fantasy community is the idea that upside is only tied to youth. Do you know how old Maglio was when he hit 363? Twenty-eight homers and 139 ribbies for the. Well, Tigers. look at Nelson Cruz, right? Well, exactly. You look at Jose Batista. Look at you know, and like Encarnacion. You know, he was just E five in Cincinnati, booting balls all over the place, and then all of a sudden he goes to Toronto. Right, and I think you're right. I think I think what you're always trying to get to is not. It's changed because youth has been so effective so quick because. And this is something we wrote about years ago. It's like four or five years ago to Blackwood. It's like, hey, there's a trend developing here, which are these young guys are not like wait and sees or draft and stash. They're guys you can draft and play early in the season and the rest of the season. And last year was, I mean, God, <clears throat> if last year wasn't the pinnacle of that, I don't know oh, what was. It was right? insane. I mean, all those guys in the top 50, Alonzo, uh, Paddock. You just can't play wait on. and see anymore. Like that, no, that you can't. used to be wait and see with things on the waiver wire and with rookies. You have to act first. Yeah, you have to own them. You have to own them because you're not going. Someone else is, and you have to be willing to sit on those players or ride the limitations of those players too, like a pattern. Or or, yeah, or take the quarter key boom, fall off, cut him, and move on. Like move on because right, it's it's not the end of the world. You're going to have some misses, but you can't just point to that and be like, see, that's why I don't pick up rookies. Okay, well then you didn't pick up. Oscar Mercado or, uh, you well, know, the at, good part of it. Marte last year, too. Marte, there's another player. Yeah. You know, there's a perfect example, right? Not everybody has to be, you know, 22 years old to be the, you know, a breakout star. And Marte, you, you kind of, I wrote, this is also, you know, kind of a loaded thing. But two years ago, I wrote about Marte in the Black Book. And I said, man, this guy had a great second half. I really like Marte. And I went and I bought him everywhere for cheap last year in every draft. And then like a moron, I sold him off because I got like, I said, oh, my God, it can't be this good. It can't possibly keep this yeah, up, right? He has to come down from this it level. It has to come down. And he never did. And that happens. The same thing with Max Muncy. That was another guy, too. It was like, well, this has to fall apart. Oh, nope. I'm loving him. And it just it doesn't stop. Him. And that's great to see. But there's another name of another guy that wasn't, you know, Kevin Biggio. That wasn't. Uh, the next, you know, big thing or or the next Louis Robert or anything like that. But there's players every year like that who are a couple years into their career who finally the light goes on. Mm-hmm. And it's identifying those players that's almost in a way it's it's harder, but it's also more beneficial because they tend to have lower ADPs because these these other guys, the Roberts and Vlads of the world, like I love Vlad's ADP this year so much more than last year. Yes. When he was going well, in the same spot as because pre, right, pre-injury. He, he, he was he like was second, going where third Donald round. was. Yeah. And and then he got hurt and he, he fell down to like the seventh, eighth round. But pre-injury, it was obscene it was what absurd. you had to pay for Vlad. It was dude, it was so absurd. And 
And I, everyone's like, why don't you like Vlad? I was like, I like Vlad. I love Vlad. I don't like him there. I'm just trying to, you know, get, let's, he, he can't be like the best rookie season. You're selling me on it that it's going to be better than what Josh Donaldson might do on a one-year show me deal. And I just wasn't buying it. Like, I'm just, and, I can't get there. And Donaldson was great. And, and you know, a, a guy I really liked this year who I think the market does like um, enough, but who definitely has upside, even though he's, you know, not super young is uh is matt olson you know he's 26 oh, he's not yeah. that oh. sub 25 People guy dropped him last year in the tgs right. someone dropped him and i picked him up when he got hurt i was like how do you drop him at olson that's got the 40 bombs and that's after they games. drafted him and they got scared and i mean it was crazy that he got dropped i actually put a big bid on him in the, in the league where he got dropped for me and i lost out someone put even bigger which respect to them because they went all out for it but uh yeah i i absolutely love him Let, let's get a little let's get a little negative though let's talk about yeah. some guys that that are being overdrafted we, we we highlighted a couple on the on some or not necessarily overdrafted with eloy and vlad this year but some of the guys that whose value in the market is too high when rpv looks at them and says now that's a couple rounds too much right now. Who who are some of those guys that you're wanting to avoid based on what you've seen from RPV thus far? Uh, you know, I know it's going to upset some people, <laughs> but uh -oh. as good as Kesson Hero was last year, oh, there's a lot I can of get behind that. No, there's there's RPVs telling you just hold back just a little bit because sophomore regressions tend to be real. I mean, like, just ask Reese Hoskins and and uh, Raphael Devers, and we can go isn't, on and on and on. Isn't it and weird? How... No one believes the cycle; they just don't. Isn't it weird how we just, as a as a, a collective, as a fantasy community, those that that love the guy, like when we love a guy, the not universally, but right. collectively, we just kind of overlook things. But <laughs> when it's on a guy we're not so fond of, we would be hammering a thirty one percent strikeout rate yep. against a seven percent walk rate, yep. a four oh two BABIP. You'd never hear the end of it. I don't hear any of those about Keston, and I like Keston here. I really do. He's actually like a centerpiece for me in an NL only league as a keeper. And I, I am excited. I want to see him have a great season, but holy smokes, the market is just not giving any worry no, about what his flaws are. Well, in his here's the perfect thing. He's a 42 season. on NFBC, right? And if mm -hmm. you go down six spots later, you get Whit Merrifield. Now, <clears throat> Whit Merrifield last year, boys and girls, had 200 hits, scored 100 runs, had double digit home runs and steals. Okay. Come on. I mean, and, and and has now done three years in a row of basically, you know, some amalgamation of that. Mm -hmm. And the guy gets zero credit. Why? Because he was never a top prospect because he plays in Kansas City. It's a yep. small media market. He doesn't get any attention on the grant. If if Whit Merrifield played for the Boston Red Sox or for the Yankees or for the Cubs, Whit Merrifield would be a second round player probably. Okay. You but, you are not telling lies because he was last year, and now that his the stolen bases fell off, which they he, did, he didn't die. But, but, they, but they didn't exactly. They didn't die. He was still a stolen base asset. He just didn't reach the heights that we thought he was because we impressed on him that he was going to stay at those exact heights, Merrifield, and he was still a really good player. That's a great call out there. And again, I like Hira. I don't like the price, and that's always the distinction. Whether you like the player. And your negativity is because of his price, or if your negativity is because of their skill set. I like him. I can't pay full, 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 full price on half no. a season of Keston Hira until I see what's what with a 31% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate, and 402 Babbitt. And I and I and I want to be super clear. 
I was the guy pumping Kessin Hero last year. Like I'm the guy. Like, hey, this guy, this, you gotta have, you gotta have this guy. He's gonna make a huge impact. He's gonna be one of these dudes. that's gonna come through like Alonzo. They're gonna be players you're gonna want to own. And then everyone was ripping me when he got sent down. I was like, I know, I know. I, I don't get it either. I don't understand yeah. why they sent him down. Milwaukee but, angered us with that one. But you know what? In the end, it all worked out. So patience does get rewarded sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I look at the ADP and I look at with the black. And like I said, black book kind of pulls him down a little bit. It's like, hey, sophomore regression is a real thing. Understand that. Now, dynasty doesn't matter. Keeper league doesn't matter. You're going to you're going to be tied into those guys like it's fine for better or worse. But, you know, on the pitching end. When you're looking at some of the names too, it's it's funny because you and I work closely, so there's probably not a lot of variants of stuff that we're like, you know, looking di- differently on. But sure. and we see pitching the same way too. We look for the same outliers. But Tyler Glasnow is one of these guys too, who, you know, it's a small sample of really good and a larger sample of control issues and some injuries and some other stuff. And it's a it's a scary asset. And it's funny because you talk about ADP, right? The guy right ahead on NFBC right now of Glasnow is Zach Greinke. Now, Zach Greinke is a plus six as a number two. Glasnow is a negative three as a number two. That's a huge gap. That's a huge difference as a number two starter. And and the other thing that RPV teaches you is how to build advantage, right? When you draft a number one and then follow it up with another number one, well, that guy is a number one in the number two slot, which means he might be a negative as an SP1, but as an SP2, he's a huge huge positive. And yeah, then that like has Corbin, a trickle like down effect. Exactly. And then that has a trickle down effect to the rest of the rotation when your two is a th- uh, your three is a two and, and uh, go so on and so on and so forth. But there's a perfect example. Zach Greinke, right as rain. Zach Greinke, year in, year out. You know, you know he's going to give you innings. You know he's going to give you strikeouts. You know he's going to be good. He's on a great team. I don't know what Tyler Glassnow is going to be. And I no. can't. There's no way I can take Glassnow over Greinke this year. I just can't do it. And, and uh, frankly, I can't. Over uh, Syndergaard, a guy I refused to quit too, was going right after him. You know, and they, and you know what? That's the other guy too. It's like, man, I feel like we're at the fork this year with him. It, don't it you? is. It's definitely the fork in the road because last year was actually truly bad. The last couple of years, I think he was getting some hate for failing to be super, super elite uh, in terms of like that 200 inning monster season because 2017 was an injury washout and then 2018 was good, but only 150 innings of good. This past year, 19 for Thor was was pretty pretty bland, like and, and, and definitely a failure against his ADP, 428, 123 ERA whip combo. This is the year. It's it's time. It's time to see what's what. Can he turn that elite stuff into another full season of like 2016 or or better? And uh, I'm betting yes. And I have moved up on Glass now. Glass now was a guy mm-hmm. last year that I was very difficult on, and I said. I'm not paying. You guys can pay that out front right. if you want. And frankly, I mean, obviously with the health, I I, I kind of was right. But the process, you know, he was better. So I'm going to I'm actually going to take an L on that and say, you know what? He did improve. And I respect that. So I moved him up, but I can't get him to where folks have him, which is no. like the 20th pitcher off the board. I can't quite get there yet. I have no, to be I... a little bit more cautious on such a small sample. I agree. And, and ADP also has a ton of recency bias in it, right? Mm-hmm. And ADP also has a ton of projection bias in it, right? The nice thing about RPV is it kind of scales you back. So it's good to look at ADP and look at it and say, okay, where are these guys going? And then you look at the RPV in the black book and you go, all right, this is where the values are. Look at this guy. This guy's a plus 13 and he's going over, you know, right next to this other guy who's at a, you know, a plus six. Like that's a Mm -hmm. huge difference, right? Or, Or he's going around later, but his RPV is basically the same. So his relative position value is if there's not much of a difference, 
then why the hell are you reaching for that other guy? Because of what he could be or because of the fact that he's the hot new toy or whatever that is. There's so much of that built into ADP, which is nice because when you take those three-year averages and then people ask, well, what do you do or young players who don't have three-year averages? Well, we go back in the minor leagues and we look at what they did. See what's up coming up. See what's up. And most importantly, we look at double A. Double A is the best indicator of what a guy is or isn't because there's the most raw talent at double A and the most consistency in terms of the guys that are out there on a nightly basis. Whereas triple A, you know, gets wonky there, the numbers, and then you get PCL and then things go completely nuts. So Mm -hmm. you can't worry about that. But, you know, we take a lot of that into account and that's how you, you know, start to shape the values of players going forward. But man, I, you know, I want glass now to succeed. Don't get me wrong. I want Syndergaard to succeed too. These are players that, you know, are going to make some fantasy teams, but there's no discount here on either of those guys. No, no. And I, and listen, I understand the people that are out on, on, on Thor. I'm not, uh, but I'm, and I'm definitely taking him over glass now, right now. And so, I, I'm with you a hundred percent. I don't, I don't know how you can make that argument other way, the other way. I just don't. It, do, don't it doesn't. It really add up so and uh, Kluber's anyway. so low too too i know just another oh. guy too that we have way higher than everybody else and we just i just had tom grieve uh the broadcaster from the rangers yes. on my show and former general manager too the guy who by the way acquired rafael palmero from the cubs they're fun fact uh-huh. um i didn't yeah. know that and ben grieve's father by the way if you remember yes right ben grieve's father look at that oh good times uh, a simpler day ben grieve um but, you know rookie Corey of the year Kluber, Everybody's wants to give up. We don't know how that Texas ballpark is going to play. He says no. it's going to play pretty even. I would say neutral. Does, I agree yeah. with that. And and if it does, man, he's going right around 100. That's a pretty good spot for a guy like Corey Kluber, who was once upon a time two years ago, basically an SP1. Oh, for sure. Here's the thing. I was actually coming in ready to be out on Kluber until I saw where the market was because I thought the market was going to keep him as like a top 20 guy. And I was like, well, I'm not going to pay that. Uh, I've been worried about the fastball for years, et cetera, et cetera. Well, turns out the market said, no, we're going to actually put him down in the 30s. And now I'm like, well, wait a minute. (laughs) I'm actually okay with that because I'm not going to judge him off of just eight starts last year. We have no idea how he would have rebounded. He never got a chance. And yes, he was poor in – it was seven starts. Yes, he was poor in those, but – He's also a historically slow starter every year too. And it was – yeah, it was 36 innings. Yeah, I mean, I I was wanted to see how he worked on that 370 Babbitt, the 11.1 hits per nine. He had a 580 ERA, 406 FIP. So even the indicators were saying that he should have been better. I understand some concerns with Kluber. I'm not pushing down to the 30s. I like Texas. I I like what they've done. I think they've got some decent things going. I think that park's going to be neutral with the the roof closed alone. Getting rid of the climate alone alone, is going to bring things down offensively. So they're going to keep it closed more often than not. I think Kluber's a nice, uh, boring value, too. Again, another guy who's not going to get you a lot of oohs and ahs, but who cares? He shouldn't be drafting off of that anyway, and I think he's going to be uh, be a nice pickup this year. So I think that's a good call-out. I think we're going to end on that one, though, because that is a good call-out there. And uh, I always love talking with you. I think we'll get back together again in March. Let folks know what kind of updates. Let the rest of the offseason dust settle. We're still waiting on that big trade with, with, from any of those uh, Betts, Lindor, Bryant kind of talk that we've had. By the way, if I if I put you to it, do you think any of them get traded? You know, I don't think Betts does, especially okay. because they're in an identity crisis with Boston right now. Yeah, you know, Pedroia is done. You know, we all know that he's going to sit and collect his money if he can't play, probably. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but they need it. You know, they need him. They need the star power. And I think that's very important. No big, no David Ortiz, no, you know, Pedroia, 
I think you need Mookie Betts. Arenado could. I, I still think that's the one that it makes a lot of sense, but you know, I think it has to happen now. It has to happen before the season. Because once you go into the year, I think that's it. Like the, I think the, the chance of him getting dealt in season drop precipitously because mm-hmm. what you can get for him all of a sudden, you're three months in for a season, they're getting so much less of Arenado. So if you're going to do it, do it now. And I think they might be playing nice, quote unquote, right now because they're trying to see what's the max we can get right now. So okay, I'm okay. I didn't mean the things I said. No, we didn't mean what he said about yes. you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but he doesn't go from being super pissed to everyone's cool now. That's the organization saying, look, we can't move you because everybody thinks they have leverage on us. And we have they to think you're disgruntled. Yep. Right. You're right. Because now you're they're right. going to lowball us. So if you really want out of there, shut your mouth and just play ball a little bit, no pun intended, and we'll do what we can. And if they, and the organization has every right. You know, he has that opt out. He, he put it in there. He's got the opt out. 2021. You know what? If you don't like it, you can leave. And he probably will. And I think, you know what? It's, it's hard because two years ago, Rockies looked good. Last year, oh, Rockies looked awful. Isn't you it know? crazy how quickly things That's Colorado. change? It's, it's so I don't know crazy. if anybody could ever win in Colorado. Like, I don't know. You had two runs for Colorado. Yeah, the, you know, the, the Bash. World Series of, run. Yeah, and then you had the World Series run with the Matt Holiday team. But you had that, you know, that Dante Bichette. Uh, the Blake Street Bombers. Blake Street Bomber, Bombers, right. Larry Walker and stuff, right? But I think any sustained success in Colorado is just, it's fictitious. I don't know. I, I don't know how Major League Baseball deals with this. Like, it's a problem. It's like 30-something years. It's a problem. I mean, look what happened to Marquez just last year. Uh, sure. He went from being so incredibly excellent to uh, getting beaten around the yard because of that ballpark. I don't think he lost his talent, but the reason I was afraid was because that ballpark never loses. And it's not— What if they built a new ballpark and put a dome on it? I wonder. I wonder. If they control the environment a little bit more, maybe that becomes a viable organization again. It's just hard. No pitcher wants to go there. No pitcher's going to go and sign there. No, so they have to cultivate all of it. Yeah. And and as soon as they can leave, they leave. And it's killed a lot of careers. It killed Drew Pomeranz. It killed uh, Ubaldo. (laughs) Ubaldo. I mean, it's killed a lot of bright young guys who they drafted and they couldn't sustain. So it's sad. No, I I, I agree with that. And so it's just crazy how quickly it can turn because they were not that far from uh, playing in Wrigley, winning, and then going to play the Brewers after that wild card game. To now they're they're probably the messiest team going, even worse than Pittsburgh. At least Pittsburgh knows what they're doing. I don't necessarily agree with everything they do, but they know that they're stripping it down and and trying to start a rebuild. Colorado has no clue what they're doing. So we'll see how it goes. But again, we will have you back on in March to talk more about the updates, set up the season. Always great talking with you, Joe. Thank you so much. I always enjoy our time together, Paul Sporer. Send my best to Justin Mason and tell him make sure he brings an apple for the teacher to school. I will. Take care.